Hey, everybody, if you have watched The Millennial Farmer, then you know I've got a pretty righteous Thunder Creek fuel trailer out here. Thunder Creek fuel trailers are built by farmers for American farmers. Right now, a lot of farmers are taking home fully loaded Thunder Creek trailers that are in stock near you with an average of only $1,300 down. Financing is, of course, subject to approval. You can check out thundercreek.com for product info, some stories from the field, and other great deals. That's Thunder creek.com As farmers, we know every single detail that goes into our fields, and that should include the brand of tile buried beneath the crops. As such an important investment, I only trust ADS for their quality, their proven performance, and commitment to sustainability. In fact, ADS is now the second largest recycler in North America. Rob, just to give you an idea of how serious we take this podcast, I have Randy's notes here from last time. Okay. It clearly says, scissors, horse's cock, back to Nebraska. Fine lesser, Randy. <laughs> I don't have any idea. That, oh, that was from Ben's, wasn't it? That was Ben's. Yeah. yeah. You should see my notes for this one. <laughs> I, I've got some notes here, actually, some actual notes for Rob. He does oh. he does so many things. So we got Rob Sharkey. He is a shark farmer. You're in Illinois, right? Yes, sir. Are you close to Indiana? No, about in the middle of the state, east and west. Yeah, I knew that. I was testing you to make sure you knew where you were. Uh, so Rob is out of Illinois. I would say, Rob, you had one of the original ag podcasts that, that I listened to and enjoyed over and over with the Shark Farmer podcast which you're still doing. You're also involved in Shark Farmer TV now, and you have more than just the Shark Farmer podcast, right? We have the XM show. The XM show. Okay. So besides the Shark Farmer podcast, it's the XM show and Shark Farmer TV. Yeah. And I also do uh, What the Farm podcast, and I have a, I have a co-host with that. that. That was the other one I was thinking of. Did, did you ever think that it would get to this point with what you're doing? No, absolutely. I mean, it literally just kind of was started here in the honey lodge when we were drinking one night and just kind of as a joke, as a almost a dare to start a podcast. So you, you started a podcast in the hunting lodge as a mm -hmm. joke. Like it, it wasn't just a discussion that night, but you actually started it that night? Well, we had Carrie Zoka hunt here and she's got a, a big hunting podcast and more she got talking about it. Originally, we were going to talk about hunting stories, but they aren't that funny if you if you don't know the guys and that. So, like, so we started interviewing farmers. That's that's how it started. Interesting. And then, how like how did you keep going? I mean, you just kept digging in for another guest, another guest, and then pretty soon it took off. You know, when we started, it was so inside baseball uh, ag Twitter, which gave me a big start because at the time that was pretty hot. So, but it, if you weren't on ag Twitter, you really didn't get a lot of this stuff. But once we started delving outside of it, that that's when it started to grow. So a lot of the people that I follow, cause I've never been big on Twitter. I find it confusing when I go there. Same with Facebook now to me, it's like, there's too many different avenues. I get confused, but Instagram I've always understood. And a lot of the farmers that I follow on Instagram, I found them from your podcast. 
I'd listen to your podcast. You'd have a guest on, they'd be talking about it. And I'd go on my Instagram and find them. So I just think it's really interesting how you, you found all those people and you've had them all on and I, I, you have to have hundreds of episodes of it out now. Um, I th- we're over a thousand people that we've interviewed. I, honestly, it's still it's not a problem finding people. Everybody, everybody's got some great stories out there. So I don't know. Maybe we'll have Randy on someday. Over a thousand? Yeah, between the the I podcast, would- the radio show, I think we're at close to five hundred. We've probably repeated guests, maybe only a handful of times. Emily's a, my wife is a producer of the radio show, and she does a fantastic job of finding. Uh, people in agriculture, people rural living. Um, she does, and she she gets a lot off Instagram. I mean, it's funny you talk about the difference between. I I don't understand Instagram. I've tried. I, I just I feel like the old guy on there. Twitter. You just go there to get beat up, don't you? But the Twitter's now Twitter gotten now? kind of out of hand. Yeah, it's gotten so rough. It. Uh, I yeah. I've, I've actually I don't get on there all that much anymore. It's just everything's so toxic, especially with the election and everything. So. There was an election. Yeah, I mean, it seems. <laughs> Who was the winner? <laughs> oh boy! Get back to us on that. Too soon. Too soon, Randy. Too soon. <laughs> we'll ask our next guest, and we can discuss the winner, maybe. Oh man! <laughs> yeah. The Johnsons were actually what we're uh, we're fourteen, fifteen days into quarantine here because Onyx tested positive for COVID. So, and we've got another fourteen days to go because. I don't know. Apparently, when you can't quarantine separately from your household members, the quarantine doesn't start over or it doesn't even start until their last day of being toxic. It's it's crazy. I was just going to say our 14 year olds in the same boat. Um, he's I'm sorry, 15 year old <laughs> should know that by now. They tested positive and he's quarantined for two weeks. Uh, it's a good time. And they just pulled the plug on our schools today. So kids will uh, longer be going to school, which is awesome not makes us that much more productive when the kids are home all day long <laughs> i was just say we, we're also just finishing the 14-day um, quarantine from being with onyx last week or a couple weekends ago so i've been going to work but i've just in my car to the tile plow quarantining my cab uh back and forth um like what 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 he's supposed to do we're not gonna shut down the operation you know but so we're done with that now so so now you can beat up on deej a little bit <clears throat> yeah yep i can climb out of the cab and yep Sneeze on him. Which still won't happen. It's cold out. <laughs> it's freezing out there. Why would you go out there to talk to DJ? <laughs> It'd right. be ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Rob, give give us a history of who you are besides just the, the shark farmer and the media guy. Um. Okay. You know, I'm a, the stereotype farm kid. I went off to college because I thought that's what you had to do. And uh, when I came back, you know, I met Emily, my wife, when we were 16 year old. So we went to college together and we came back, we got married. And uh, I had that desire to not just be the, the hired hand with my dad, wanted to start out on my own. And we were hog farmers. So I, I went all in. I think I worked for dad, let's see, in 96. And then in 98, I decided to buy hogs on my own. And anybody that was in Hogs End can tell you that was the record low price. And I lost, I, I didn't have much, but what I had was now gone. Uh, tremendous debt. And in fact, there was a time where the bank called us in and Emily and I sat in front of a banker telling us that, you know, you you probably should file bankruptcy. He said, you're young, file bankruptcy, you'll get over it, whatever. So, I mean, just absolutely heartbreaking. Um, it was our dream. 
was everything we had. So we went home that night uh, thinking it was fairly over. You know, I was going to be the one that lost this sixth generation farm. And we woke up, uh, we had kind of a, a heart to heart moment, come to Jesus moment that, you know, whatever happens, we were going to be fine. As long as we were together, we were going to be fine. That next morning we woke up, we were, uh, we were, we were ticked off. Uh, all of a sudden it seems like our attitude changed. And when we called the bank, we said, you know what, we're going to pay this off. I don't care what you say. We're not filing bankruptcy. Uh, we started other things like uh, the deer outfitter. It was the one, basically the deer outfitter is a reason that I'm still farming today. Uh, income that it provided. It took seven years, seven years to pay off for that one mistake, but we got it done. And uh, that really has, I would say, affected me more in my life than anything else because uh, pressure, uh, the depression of it, I mean, it consumed me from, I couldn't sleep at night, but when I did, I wake up automatically. I was thinking about how broke I was and how everything was over because I didn't know anything else. I didn't know how to be anything else except for a farmer. I didn't think I had any skills, anything like that. So it's always in the back of my mind. I never want to be in that position again. So they, that one event, as bad as it was, has pushed me to do other things, has pushed me to look so far out of what diversification I thought was um, that it's it's molded me. And it's it's a reason that we've got what we've got today. Hey, have you had that banker on the podcast yet? No. You know what? It took seven years. It took seven years to pay that off. <laughs> Before that, he died. And I was so pissed off because I knew <laughs> and I was going to go. I was going to put the note on his desk. But yeah. Yeah, he died. <laughs> died. Thanks a lot, banker guy. <laughs> no, I was just saying it's it's failures that make us, right? Like that that's the famous thing. I think so. I think it molds you a lot more than than the successes because it, it certainly affected me a lot more than that. Right. My dad talks a lot about going through the eighties and what it took to get through that and you know, watching other people not get through it and he talks a lot about how that really leveled the playing fields, you know, coming into the early eighties, he had farmers all around him that were, I guess you could say, quote unquote, bigger, right. Guys that could run around and pay a little more for land and had better machinery and more people working for them. And by the end of the eighties, he said, everybody was on the same playing field. Nobody had anything, you know, and, and he said that that it really, as terrible as it was for several years there and, and as nervous as he was, um, he talks a lot about how that really kind of made him who he is. And that changes his uh, thought process and the way he managed the farm. So it's, you know, I've never personally gone through something like that, but but I hear stories like that quite a bit. You know, has he ever talked about how he went through it with your mom? Uh, what I like about you and Becky is that you work. I remember when we interviewed you on a podcast, you were just starting to get where you guys were working together. Uh, a lot more. When when we went through that, I mean, I was married for two years and there's a lot of stuff you don't know. So I, I wasn't telling family, I wasn't telling her everything I was going through because I felt if I did that, then I was putting all my burdens on her. Yeah. So uh, curious there, did your dad ever talk about the, you know, the relationship that uh, the marriage, you know, how it helps get through stuff like that? Not, not really, not specifically. I know she was working at a local elevator and she had a job off the farm. Uh, and I do know that there was a time not long after uh, she had my brother, my younger brother in 1988, where it kind of came down to, you know, he had to go get another job and figure out how to make this farming thing work with another job. 
And he yeah. did that. He went out and got a job as a, as a car salesman. And uh, he went to training. They made him do two weeks of training. And by the, the time he did his last day of training, he said he came home and, and uh, he came home in the morning from training to do that sales job. And he was to go back at night and finish off the, the training. So he came home, he got in his 135 horsepower white tractor with a six or an eight row cultivator behind it. And uh, obviously before the roundup days, and he went out and he was cultivating beans and he said he was pretty depressed. You know, he's the fourth generation on the farm and the beans were terrible. We were stuck in a drought and he had two young kids at home and probably a wife that had had enough of it. And he was pretty depressed. And he actually said it started raining that afternoon. He never went back to finish his training and it continued raining and raining. And he said he ended up with pretty decent beans. And from there, he said it just kind of slowly you know, for, for quite a while, for several years, it was sort of a really, really slow climb out of that hole, but yeah, he doesn't talk a whole lot about specifically what the, the relationship was like with, with mom at the time, but I can imagine. Yeah. It's I, hopefully I never have to go through anything like that again, but if I do, I mean, you evolve as a couple, um, you learn to trust your, your wife and, uh, life is a lot better when you go through it as a partnership, then you try to put all that on, on your own shoulders. No doubt. I want to do what, uh, what's the outfitter? What is, what is that whole thing that you got going on? Well, yeah, we started it cause I was broke we live in a great hunting area here in Illinois. We've got, we've got big whitetail bucks and at the time the whitetail media was only focused on Illinois. And I put an ad in the back of a whitetail magazine and I think I got like a hundred calls in one month. So we just had a bunch of people come. I didn't know what I was doing. There were a bunch of uh, yahoos, a bunch of jackasses that were just doing whatever they want. We had actually decided not to do it again. Uh, We were going to quit. We thought it was a mistake. We had four guys left. We were just going to have them come and then, you know, write it off. Well, those four guys were good. They said, let's try it one more year. We'll bring people that you can trust. And and that that was 21 years ago. A couple we weren't we aren't keeping up so emily and i are i think we're driving out to nebraska to husker harvest and we're having a conversation to shut it love doing it we love the friends we've made but we just don't have the time while we're having that conversation one of the groups calls and says hey what if we lease the entire thing ourselves and this was this is a bigger dollar group it's it's in now it was perfect timing so that's what we've done for the last two years. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping they don't know that I'm in here. I haven't turned on my recording light because last time I was trying to record something, I mean, these guys are high-end professionals, right? I do the interview. They're out there screaming, cock and balls, cock and balls. <laughs> no reason for, they're just screaming it. And it's loud enough that it's picking up on the microphone. I had to scrap the interview because we were talking about cock and balls the whole time. That sounds like a perfect off-the-husk interview. Yeah, I was just going to say, that would have made a good off-the-husk. You could invite him down. No. <laughs> yeah. Do they come out and upkeep then, or do you still have to put the stands up, uh, whatever you no, do? I don't, don't put up any stands. Uh, they come out throughout the year to cut shooting lanes, do all that stuff. But, yeah. 
No, this is, I've listened to this podcast. Most of them are done in person. Is this because of the COVID you're doing the, the, the Zoom thing? Yeah, we've done, I don't know, we've done two or three Zoom ones. But yeah, this is mostly because of COVID because yeah. we've got another 14 days to go. And yeah, it's a bummer. We were, and this we is were, the first time. Yeah, this is the first yeah. time. Randy's this is the first time in. I'm on Zoom. But his wife's a nurse. It's so the, if we expose him, then oh, yeah. he's screwed and has to start all over again. So we figure this is probably the safest bet for everybody. Yeah, and I've heard Zach say that, you know, this, you like this podcast because you can be a little bit more yourself uh, than because of what you've grown into on the YouTube side or that. But, uh, you know, Randy and Becky, I'm kind of curious, what are you guys thinking of this whole thing? Hey, this is our show. (laughs) (laughs) You see what he did there? The interview guy, he flipped it on us. Very good. (laughs) (laughs) When you say this whole thing, Rob, are are you talking like COVID off the husk? What are you you asking about? The whole off, off, off the husk thing. I mean, I... I know how fun it is to podcast and that. I was just, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, you guys have been doing it a while. Seems like it's doing fantastic. I'm just kind of curious what you're thinking of it at this point. I enjoy recording the podcast, uh, but I really hate editing them. And what? <laughs> but something that I've, I've, you know, I so I edit all of the YouTube videos, and that I don't mind. But I'm not there for the conversation and the activities, so it's somewhat interesting when I'm sitting there editing the video. But when I have to edit the podcast and listen to myself or the same conversation that I already was sat there for, I hate. So that's so the podcast might be something that I eventually uh, delegate out to somebody else to edit. But other than that, I enjoy the podcast. <laughs> I, I enjoy it, too, because like, like you said, I can be I'm a little bit more myself on the podcast. I'm not quite as filtered. Not it's not it's not as much of a PG version like I have to be on YouTube, right? With the audience that I have now, yeah. so many kids watching and stuff. I mean, you just I have to be. And off the husk from the very beginning has never been the same thing as the YouTube channel, and and it's so much less. Uh, not that the YouTube channel really is structured, I guess, but I mean we really do just kind of on a whim, you know, like hey, we need a guest. Okay, well, who who do you think? Let's just message this guy or this girl and see if we can get him on and. We're, we we can be free to go off the husk, go off the rails, and talk about whatever if it comes up. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's pretty much the same as is. Uh, uh, it's just like I'm sitting around with the guys drinking beer. I mean, I'm the same when we're doing this as I am off. I mean, it's it's just. Uh, uh, yeah, we're just it's one just more farming conversation. Yeah. 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 Every time, like even in the hunters, they always say that they're sitting around, they're talking, they're like, well, you put your microphone, here's your podcast. I'm like, you guys don't realize how dumb you sound. You, you Everything's an <laughs> whatever like that. It's not funny. So I mean, you guys are doing a good job. There's a lot more structure here than I think you're letting on. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, you know, every once in a while we do, we do, you know, put things out there like all milk in Canada comes in bags and you'll never live that type of thing down. So I don't, I don't know about we, it's not that yeah. we'll never live that down. Sure. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Becky put it out there. It was not us. It was her. But she I, put it out I also there. don't have a problem asking the questions uh, that, you know, when people don't know, like it's so easy for farmers to not understand why a typical person doesn't understand what the hell they're talking about or why they do the things they do. So I I appreciate being able to ask them the questions and then watch their heads go, huh, 
well, I would have never thought that they're thinking that way. But so it's nice to be able to present that to them sometimes. I think that helps for certain people in the audience. Like they like that because not everybody's a farmer that's listening. Rob, what's your favorite uh, caliber for deer hunting? We can only do uh, 12 gauge slugs here. Well, no, you can only do slugs. So oh, you're in shotgun zone. Yeah, we don't have rifles. Yeah. Otherwise, I would think it would have to be 30 out six. I love those guns. 30 out six is good. I think a 308 is really popular. We're actually in shotgun territory too. We're we're real close though. We're 15 miles from rifle zone. I guess they don't hunt that much. Uh, this year, Emily's really been pushing me to get out there and do it. Yeah, uh, you know, this summer, it's probably been good. I was really bummed, uh, frustrated with the, the cancellations, but I think uh, I think it's kind of a blessing in disguise because I, we underestimated the amount of work that goes into a TV show. So we kind of had gotten to the point where we were doing too much. And now I'm trying to look at my phone lists. I'm trying to do stuff like get out and honey more. I'm trying to... Uh, Trying to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Usta. Usta. I know we, we for Zach anyways, as far as that goes and over exerting yourself, uh, public speaking for, I think for us this winter, it's like not having that expectation right now is, I think we're both just thank God that which, we're not. Which I don't mind at all because I way over committed last year and this year it's just like, nope, tell them all no, I don't want to do it. I'm sick of being gone. I don't want to do that again. You way overcommitted the year before, and then you said last year you weren't going to overcommit, and I think you did more last year. Yeah, That's and there right, was Randy. like we weren't home for almost two months straight last. I, like, yeah, I'm a slow learner. It makes it hard to get in podcasts. <laughs> it does. That's for sure. Yeah, and this is this is a lot easier to just come down to my basement and drink beer with Randy is easier than flying to New York. So, how often are you recording something, Rob? Well, uh, we do. I do one shark farmer every week. I do what what the farm podcasts every week, and then we do the radio show Monday through Friday. And then it seems like uh, we are some or three other things pop up a week that we have to do. So it's like on the audio side, that's that's what we've got to record. So do you ever have the case where? Maybe everyone just had a little too much to drink during the podcast and you had to scrap the podcast and start over. Yes, uh, that was early on. <laughs> uh, a gal by the name of Michelle McGigger, and I remember it was hunting season and she she's like, she had to do something. So we postponed it for like two hours and I started drinking and, you know, I sent her a picture of a, a drink. And so she's like, I'm going to drink too. We interdict, we did the interview. Uh, it was fantastic. It was hilarious. And then I wanted to, listened to it the next day and it was god awful i couldn't even understand my self talk (laughs) (laughs) i mean i've got a beer now but i i don't drink when i because i can't i start slurring my words oh you can see there you can (laughs) now we we did about a nine nine to eleven hour podcast one time that didn't make the air I think it, at one point we realized, like, wait, are are the mics still on? What time is it? I think I think Randy was struggling to keep his eyes open at that point. Well, there's been a few times where Becky has left, and we're like, I think she went to bed. Does that mean we're not recording anymore? Yeah, apparently the mics are off. I'm done. Let's sit here and drink for another four to six hours. Yes. Time flies when you're drunk in your basement. So, so what? Uh, so obviously you you had a full time thing going on before so what is what is given or how have you found the time to do all this radio show stuff 
Um, Emily joined me. I mean, it's, and I think we, this is something we talked about a lot uh, when I had Zach on the, the podcast, because I think both of us were kind of transitioning at the same time. But, you know, Emily is the producer of the radio show. Um, she edits a lot of the podcast. Uh, she's basically hand in hand when we do the TV show. So, you know, I know what I am. I'm, I'm a creative person. And I'm, I took me a long time to realize that that's, that's a good thing. I'm very creative, but as far as like organization, as far as like lining up events and lining up stuff, I, I just, this doesn't work that way. So having her help on that has just been invaluable. That's, it's the only reason I'm getting by is because uh, she's, she has improved this whole brand, if you will, uh, more than I would have ever done this. That's the same thing here. I mean, like with the videos and stuff, I mean, there's no way I can, I mean, I can barely take the camera out to get the video clips. You know, that's annoying enough to me at this point that coming home and editing the videos would just be, it, it wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be a thing that I would do anymore. It's just so, I mean, same thing here, you know, that's, that's the key to it all. A lot of people don't understand that. Yeah. I, I mean, I could name a, a handful of unbelievably creative people in agriculture that don't do that much or have kind of disappeared uh, because they didn't have the support of the spouse or the spouse didn't even like the time that it took up. So it's, uh, I think, I think we need to realize how lucky we are, Zach. Well, mine is sitting right here. So just be careful. Okay. We don't want to take it too far. Just blown up. No, No, I'm thankful for the opportunity and I, I, you know, I think I saw the opportunity that Zach had uh, a little bit sooner than he did. And I definitely a little bit maybe selfishly pushed him harder because I saw the opportunity for myself uh, and for our family. It's a crazy ordeal. It changed for sure, you know. I remember the night we were sitting around the table playing cards and having beers and Zach said, Becky, if you turn this into a job on me, I will quit. I will stop doing it. That was five years ago. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Two things, Randy. Okay. As I've told you, people change. Okay. And and (laughs) the second thing is there's a lot of days I want to quit. (laughs) And eventually I will. I think eventually I'll just one day I'll just I'll just be gone. Enough's enough. That's kind of how I feel. Okay, it'll be. I have not watched this. Be video. Millennial Farmer Junior. You there? You put out a video where you said like, uh, "I'm quitting YouTube or YouTube retirement." I'm like, that son of a bitch is pretty good at little cliffhangers. He's putting those titles <laughs> out there so everybody's gonna watch. <laughs> Remember, yeah. we were just that talking a, about how the wives. Blow. The wives are good at being a part of things. Yeah. 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 That's me. That the title's more Zach hates it when I well it's called clickbaiting. He won't he won't yes. let he won't let me do it. He's like, No, <laughs> we get too much hate, people hate it, the people comment nasty things and I'm like, Yeah, well they comment nasty things but they still watch the videos, so I don't I don't care. Like <laughs> so And hell a comment the comment, right? Yeah, so I so every once in a while I'm like I am using my you know whatever my veto here and I am clickbaiting this video and that's <laughs> what it's gonna be. So 
But that one, you did say something. I think he actually said, "That's it. I quit in the video because you were so frustrated with the equipment." I think. No, that's... that was that was the one where we finished harvest. Oh, and that's so what I, it was. I said something along the lines of, "Well, that's it. We're done with harvest." So with that, I would like to announce my official retirement from. And then I was like, ah, "I'm just messing with you guys." Yeah. So. <laughs> so she turned that into clickbait, like the horrible. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, November is the time of the year when we get together with family and friends and officially give thanks and enjoy each other's company. While this year might be a little bit different for a lot of us, there is one thing that is not going to change. That is, of course, FBN Cyber November, which takes place from November 9th through the 24th. This is when the folks at FBN Direct put on their biggest sale of the year. This is your opportunity to stock up on all the inputs that you're going to need for next year's growing season at incredible prices. And something new this year for FBN, they now have livestock feed and pharmaceuticals also at great prices in select states. But like all good things, this too will come to an end. So that means that you don't have a lot of time to waste. Grab the savings while you can and apply for 0% financing today so that you are ready for FBN's biggest sale of the year. That is FBN Cyber November. Mark your calendars November 9th through the 24th at FBN.com. Besides sharks, what do you grow? Uh, just and corn and soybeans. Corn, soybeans, yeah, and sharks. Yes, a half an acre of canola this year, which we didn't harvest because I didn't want it coming back the next 20 years. <laughs> we have Roundup Ready canola as a problem in our fields. Because we've got the, uh, the railroad goes by on the highway here close to our house that half our fields butt up to, and it comes out of the trains. And now we got Roundup Ready canola as literally as a weed that we can't control in some fields. Gotcha. Are you are you going to come on? No. She's standing. She walked in. Here. I just got done saying really nice things about you. They can vouch for me. I've been drinking bourbon. Oh, I'm she's afraid. Just... Welcome to all the reason to join the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Why couldn't gonna... three seconds ago? <laughs> when you guys go to a party, is it just a given that you guys bring the charcuterie? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, Randy. I don't know if I want to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> How long were you sitting on that question? Oh, I've had it in my notes for like three days. I sent it to you earlier, Zach. Well, I didn't. I thought there was a story that maybe there was some kind of inside joke, but it was just that. Yeah, just a just a cheese tray. It's a cheese tray, guys. What are you talking about? These olives, I mean, they're delicious. You can't go wrong. You could have a good spread of any kind on there. Oh. Right. If your if your last name is Miller, you have to bring Miller Lite to the party. If your last name is Sharky, I would assume you have to bring a charcuterie. Rob, do you know what a charcuterie is? I do now. It's a, it's a cheese tray. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> what what were you thinking? Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm not good with that stuff. I we were at a uh an event this was actually down in New Zealand. We were at a guy's farm, the guy's like a multi-millionaire. And I'm talking to him. I'm talking to the owner of this big vineyard, the wine company and everything like that. And they bring like the, the, the cheese tray by and I take a piece of cheese and I eat it in front of him and I remember him looking at me weird. 
Oh, it's no. because the big cheese piece of cheese that I grabbed was actually a chunk of butter. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I already know what story Becky's about to tell. I feel better, Rob. So okay. uh, 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 one, one Valentine's Day, uh, I don't know, it must have been about. This was eight, at, 10 years oh ago. Oh, gosh. No, it was at least that, I suppose, because it was before we had Onyx. We went to a buffet for Valentine's Day with a group of our friends. That's romantic. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and we all, you know, go to the buffet line and we sit down at the table and Zach takes this big old bite of vanilla pudding. Yeah. But only it was honey butter, like whipped honey butter. <laughs> It was not what I expected when I shoveled it in with the spoon. <laughs> it was probably good for a split second, though, wasn't it? Yeah, well, not, I mean, it was kind of, the deliciousness was ruined by the fact that it was not what I was expecting. So, it, like, it hit my taste buds, and I didn't know what to do. Like, do I, I, I do I swallow this? Panic. <laughs> Makes a good uh, You're bringing back bad memories for them. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of my all-time favorite memories. <laughs> so how did you end up doing the What the Farm podcast? How did that come about? Well, the one that helped uh, start the Shark Farmer podcast, uh, Carrie Zoka, we started a podcast called Farmer and a City Girl. And Carrie has, I don't know how many podcasts she had, but she was like, eh, it's too much. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted another city girl right because i like the concept of it leslie kelly i had uh i'd known for years totally respected one of the smartest marketing people there is in agriculture and i kept asking her for like a co-host suggestions and she would give really good ones and then emily and i were sitting there one night and she goes you should just have leslie as your co-host and forget the whole city girl and yeah, since we've done that, um, it's gone really well. I mean, it's not the size of the shark farmer, but I, I really enjoy that one because I'm getting outside of the, the echo chamber where the shark farmer podcast is solely inside the echo chamber. I'm talking just to farmers. So it's kind of fun to to get outside and, and do that one. I met her one time in Canada and she seemed like she's probably as nice as what she sounds like on that podcast. Yeah, she can be mean. I don't let her fool you. I mean, she's, I don't know, short and that, but she's, yeah, she, she's got an evil streak to her. Come she's, on now. Canada doesn't make mean people. Have you seen <laughs> hockey? <laughs> well, only they're <laughs> hockey players, though, so, yeah. <laughs> have you have you read emails about people with only milk and bags? Well, well, people, <laughs> with milk and eggs. Rob, yeah. Does Rob know what we're talking about? I doubt the it. Milk in the, the milk in the bags. I've seen that up there. Our first sponsors was a Canadian-based company, so I actually spent a ton of time in Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So, yes, I'm, I'm well aware of a few things. They have milk in bags. They, you could only order a hamburger that's well done. You can't order it any other way. It's like the law in that. And uh, their beer, uh, you got to respect their beer because it'll it'll take kick you on your ass. <laughs> Well, they gotta have good beer if you're gonna eat a well done hamburger. So wash exactly. it, wash the that dry puck. thing down. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're actually medium rare hockey pucks. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rob, 
it's too uh, easy to pick Becky, do you still get emails? Do you still get uh, emails no, about the milk and bags? They've, they've kind of let that go. The hate mail has finally stopped about the milk and the bags. Uh, but now it's just an ongoing joke, I think. It's an inside joke with the people that watch the show. <laughs> It'll listen to the podcast. Yeah, people yeah. really mad. It'll always go on. Uh, not necessarily mad, but they were. I, I, there were some people that were that were a little irked. They wanted to make sure they could Passive correct. aggressive Canadian mad. Yes, that is exactly what it was. Very similar to Minnesota mannerisms. Yes, very uh. like. <laughs> don't you know we actually have milk in cartons? <laughs> I was getting I was getting videos from people like with pulling their milk carton out of the fridge like see it's not in a bag guys <laughs> so I even had gotten a few of those <laughs> uh, so moving on from that other the other podcast that you do mm-hmm. Shark Farmer TV now tell us about that because now you're a big TV uh, star yeah something like that I, you know we got on the XM show we uh, with uh, Row Radio so RFD down in Nashville and Fort Worth so doing that, uh, I think I was out in the Dakotas at Hefty Days, and the owner of the station, Patrick Gotch, was going to be there. And I wanted to do this TV show. I I really thought it was a good idea. I basically was going to pitch to him that I was going to do Tosh.0 in agriculture. So I was psyching myself up because, I, I don't know, this guy, he's very intimidating, the owner of the station. Um, so... I see him sitting there at a table by himself. I wasn't ready to do this. And Emily's like, oh, go, now's your chance. So I sheepishly walk up there and I'm like, hey, Mr. God. She's like, hey, Rob, sit down. What are you up to? And so I small talk for a few seconds. And I'm like, you know, I got this idea. Maybe you could do something like this. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, what? let's do it get here i'll give you a number call this person let's get it done but don't tell anybody yet so then i interview him uh it was at the the hefty ag days i interview him uh, in front of like a thousand people we're doing the the show live there and he just got done saying don't tell anybody he says it right there live on air well we're going to be doing a tv show with you so (laughs) it's just like in one day it's like okay i guess we're guess we're doing a tv show that's pretty at first here we go That's awesome. It's funny how sometimes conversations like that where you're even, you know, you're afraid to approach the person and something like that comes out of it. Well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you're so intimidated to ask people to do something like this. But, yeah, I was I was petrified walking up to the guy. So, yeah, yeah, that's how it went. So how are you enjoying that? How's that going for you? It uh, is a lot more work than we thought. Uh, The about uh, Patrick and RFD is like, yeah, we'll give you a show, but it's your show. You're going to do it. Um, it's you sink or swim on your own. So the writing, the producing, uh, we don't edit. They do that in their studio there. So all that we had to learn and do. And there's certain things like, you know, season one, uh, we plowed through there. You're shooting four episodes a day, or at least we tried to. And I've never been able to read very well. So the teleprompter, I really, really struggled with. And in fact, on season two, uh, we did away with the teleprompter. I'm just, I'm just talking. So I think it's better, but uh, it's, you know, 
sometimes you forget. It's like, oh, I was going to say that really funny thing, but you just don't do it. But I think it's a lot smoother. It's not as mechanical, not as robotic. Uh, it is the TV show. It is uh, probably the biggest learning curve that we've had in anything that we've ever done because I had zero experience with it. But, uh, you know, I think now second season's going out and uh, both you guys have, have been very, very uh, generous with helping the show. We got a lot of stuff from Randy. Um, Zach, we got your Skype interviews coming up sometime uh, this season. It's it's now to the point where now we're really enjoying it. Um, getting to do some man on the street interviews. Like I said, I think it, you have to get to a point where you're confident that your humor is going to be laughed at or your personality is going to come through. And once we saw some of that on the first season, some of the more comments on social media, some of the stuff people thought was more funny was the off the cuff stuff that I was doing. So that's what we try to embrace and going on with the second season. I'll just say some of the stuff I'd sent you didn't sound like it was probably going to make the air. You wouldn't be able to show it. You said, did you send a naughty picture or something like that? I don't remember what. (laughs) (laughs) I was plumbing through my computer. Like, Oh, there's a good one. There's a good one. There's a good one. Like, Oh yeah. Forgot about that one. I'll send them that one too. So I sent you about four or five good ones that I didn't figure would make there. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is uh, very family friendly. Uh, I keep trying to push the, (laughs) they seem to push back. <laughs> I, when I was sending them to Rob, I was, I was, as I was hitting send, I'm like, God, I hope he's the one that opens these emails. Like, what are the odds? Like, uh, they'll think it's funny. I hope. <laughs> was well, it you, Rob? It was me, and I, I do appreciate. It. I try never to forget, you know, the people that have helped. And Zach, you've been helpful through the years. I don't. I hate doing an interview as a podcast because I feel like I've said the same thing on so many different podcasts. But uh, you guys have uh, you guys have really really helped us along the way. So I, I want to thank you both for that. I I don't even I, Rob. I, I really haven't done that much for you, man. <laughs> well, you were on the podcast. That was like uh, that was crazy to me to be on the Shark Farmer podcast. Well, you got your standards way too high. <laughs> well, I've learned that now. <laughs> no but that i mean it, it really was it was a cool moment when you contacted me and mm-hmm. and uh and asked about doing that i just i thought that was pretty awesome that there's this podcast out there that i've been listening to that i'm going to get a chance to be on and that was one of the first times that that had happened to me and i thought that was pretty cool so i mean same same back to you i mean you've helped me out the same way well, it is funny because I remember, I remember, I don't remember how I contacted you, but I'm like, I hope this guy even knows what we're doing um, because you you were, you weren't the size you were now, but you were a huge YouTube and it's, it's like uh, we ran in different circles, right? Different social media circles. So I was just thrilled that you had even heard of me. <laughs> yeah, it, it was kind of weird. It seems like we've crossed over a lot more now, but it was kind of like, the, the podcast side and the Twitter side, I mean, that was that was a different circle than anything that I was involved in at the time. Exactly, yeah. Rob, did you have a video of some sort go, like, viral on Facebook way back when, like, early Facebook years? Um, I don't, I don't think so. The, the thing that kicked me off, uh, this was going back, I don't know, like 2010 or whatever. I lost power 
our house lost power in between Christmas and New Year's Eve. And I had nothing else to do. I had a little generator running. It would run the, the heater and it would run my phone charger. So I just got on Twitter and I started tweeting my power company. And that thing went viral. Back then when you, when you were trending on Twitter, you trended everywhere. So it was national. So I was that whole thing. I mean, I think I went from like, I don't know, 2000 followers to about 5,000 followers in just a few days. And that, it just kind of snowballed after that. So, I mean, that's how I kind of got the bigger Twitter following on that. What were you, what were you tweeting them? It was the dumbest stuff. I mean, it was, (laughs) you know, uh, you know, I, (laughs) I would just get like a picture of Mr. Burns, you know, and it's like, is this you? Is this you having fun while I don't have power? I see my neighbor lights are on. I bet you got him going because you like him better because he pays us. But I'm just stupid, stupid stuff like that. It just kept going. I love that <laughs> so much. Were you drinking? Did they comment? No, they never did. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, that is awesome. Was it during the derecho that came through this summer when you had the blue cooler in your yard that was blowing around back and forth? I've got that on my list. Or was that a different storm? No, that was, that was a derecho. Yeah. Which I don't don't know how it didn't blow down any corn. It was unbelievable. But you never found your cooler? The, The cooler is gone. (laughs) <laughs> for, for about six weeks, every time Randy and I got together, we were going to empty out whoever's blue cooler it was and go chuck it in a cornfield and then do a, do like a an Instagram story or a video or something and find Rob's cooler. We were even going to like take our, our left-handed, you know, because we can't write left-handed and like write Rob on the, on the cover of it. But it, it never transpired. We always just had another beer and nothing ever came of it. But we laughed about doing that for a month. <laughs> we even found the cooler. Someone had that exact cooler in their garage. We're like, that's Rob's cooler. Like, yeah. we're going to go chuck it in the corn later. And then eight, He's nine, got... ten beers well, later, we didn't. <laughs> well, we'll still do the bit sometime. We'll have to wait till next year. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find we're even going to put beer in it. We're even going to put cold beer in it and open it up like, oh, all right, it's got cold beer left in it. Like, we had the whole thing planned out. And then we just kept drinking. <laughs> it's funny how that happens. <laughs> it's weird, isn't yeah. it? Yep. Next thing you know, you got a podcast out of the deal. <laughs> yeah, he probably had no insurance on that cooler. I did not. Yeah, I thought I had a writer on it, but apparently that's how they get you. That's how they get you. <laughs> that's how, that's how they Were do all the it, contents yeah. out of it? No writer yes. on the igloo. <laughs> you know the thing? Too. I think it was the Hunter's cooler. So they, I mean, heard somebody was like, hey, where's that blue cooler? Ah, screw you. <laughs> oh, that, oh, yeah. <laughs> so do you record everything at your place there? Like, do you have a recording studio set up in your house? What do you guys, how do you guys do that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, actually, I had to break out uh, the blue snowball here for this interview. Uh, we, oh. We're spoiled we've got uh, we basically got a radio station here we build it in a lodge so it's we just have to walk you know 100 steps out of our house to come over to the studio it it's really nice and you know to i thought you know to build a radio station i thought it was going to be pretty unattainable it wasn't i mean it was it we had 
brought some very smart people in to set it up, but uh, I mean, it's you know, for you could basically have an XM station at your house. Right. Yeah. It. We're not to your level, but we've got something similar like that. Which, when we did it, when we bought the microphones and stuff that you see here, and we set up this little space that we're in here, we weren't sure if we should really do it or not. And now I can't. I don't know how. Like what else we would do? We would have to have done something like this. So I'm sure you're yeah. in the same boat. You 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 have to have it. Oh, I, I just can't believe like we, we still haven't hired anybody to do really anything. And but the amount of time that I think that I sometimes waste on Google and YouTube trying to figure out how to do it myself is a real kick in the ass. Like I should probably just hire somebody <laughs> for certain things. We, we are really lucky. We did the first two years of the show with Ag PhD Media, uh, Brian and Darren Hefty and their crew helped us out. And then when we get to a point where we evolved or we can go straight to the Nashville station from our place, uh, that's what we're doing now. I'm so the XM, over. where is that broadcasted out of? Uh, we beam a signal to the Nashville station. So that's where it's going out of. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize that. What station is it on don't even know how XM works. Channel 147, Rural Radio XM. There we go. It's button three. What time? I pick up. Uh, three three p.m. Central. It seems like a like a serious show, a radio show to me like that. That's scheduled that many days a week would be a ton of work. Is it? Uh, actually, you know, I think out of everything we do, that's probably the most fun. Um, I, again, because I, I get to do it with Emily, uh, we can we can record. I mean, we've re- recorded five in one day before um, because again, we're doing it on our own. Um, we can just send the shows to Nashville. They put them together and that. So it's only a half hour show. So that's only 22 minutes of content. Um, and we don't, we don't edit it. I think that's the, that is why mistakes and all. And it just, it is what it is. You, how do you guys? Oh, it just goes live. No, they do the What's editing. That? So it's, it's unedited completely or as somebody at XM does the editing. The only thing they do is put the commercials in. Okay. The, the music and the commercials. A lot of days we do it. Uh, we do it. We can't do it live because our guests cuss too much and we can't cuss on the show. Yeah. So a lot of times we'll record it at twelve when we actually go through the studio in Nashville, and then we'll have the you know the music and the commercials. Uh, but we have the option just to record the content, twenty-two minutes of content, and send that down to them. But as far as like the double talk or the mistakes or anything like that, nope, it's just sent. It's, I tell you what, it has made me a better speaker. It's made me slow down and not, uh, you know, just kind of focus on what you're going to say. And it's helped me a lot more than I ever thought it would. For sure. I know the, you know, when we have some guests on the amount of it's, it's, it's interesting to hear different people talk because the amount of ums or likes some people use compared to somebody like yourself or Zach is crazy. I applaud you guys for being so comfortable behind a mic because I still can't the level that you guys can you're welcome <laughs> i remember the first the first couple that we recorded i didn't know how to breathe like i would i wouldn't breathe like oh i can't breathe into the mic so i'd talk and talk and talk and i'm like holy shit i gotta take a big breath what do i do i'd back away like <laughs> my breath Randy's it was so gonna... strange the first two or three we did yeah 
I remember you bringing that up. You're like, yeah, I, I just, I, I got to rambling. And then all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, I can't breathe. And I remember yeah. actually that same thing. The strangest thing, I, thing. Yeah. I remember that same thing though. When I started with the, uh, with the fieldwork podcast, I'd never sat down in front of a mic before to, to have a, I mean, I'd done like a, I had done a couple like radio uh, ads where you do a little, a 20 second read, but I'd never sat down to try to have a conversation. And I had the same the same issues. I remember that. Like, just relax. You're just talking. Yeah. And then, and then Tina put me on the likes. So sometimes I, I really get going on the likes. Like, 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 like. I do so I've, I've been working on that. But now everyone else is going to also notice that. So damn it. Cut that out. Edit yeah. that part out. No, do not. Do, no. <laughs> Let it be known that Randy is part Valley Girl. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got something that they do. But yes, I know what you mean. These, this thing here is so They're good picking up everything. So if, if I speak, you know, if I'm talking into it, and Emily will, will cut this off all the time because it'll pick up like every little you know everything like that so yeah they're good because you don't hear people yelling cock and balls in the back but they do pick up every little thing your 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 mouth is doing they do for it, sure it we, has a cock and we ball find they're it. easier yeah and they're easier to set if you cup the back of them as you as you bring it in they're easier <laughs> to get in the right position that's so wrong. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, that's so wrong. We do it with every guest that gets in here and doesn't know how to work a microphone, and we're showing them how to move all the arms and stuff. And Randy's like, "No, cup it. Like, put put your hand in the back. Like, cup cup it." <laughs> Eventually, they figure it out. It's a good icebreaker. It is, yeah. Then they realize how serious yeah. things are not going to be. All right, Rob, you had a you had a tweet here not too long ago that said something about. Two different types of combine drivers. When somebody brings you lunch, yeah, you're either the, the guy that finishes the round or you're the one that turns around. Are you yes. actually you, – you, you'll stop in the middle of a round and turn around to go get lunch? Uh, in the middle? Yeah, in the middle of a round. I mean, if you're – I would say three quarters or further, I finish a round. Uh, but, if yeah, I'll, I'll turn around because I, I appreciate – the time that whoever generally it's my wife but not always uh, to bring out something to eat do you hear this this is what i was shocked I by spent a lot of time waiting in my car <laughs> delivering meals mostly fast food oh, yeah, yeah. you say you didn't spend any time making them so quit your whining <laughs> so i, I would get shot the truck driver if i stopped the combine yeah your dad would kill you i think and grandpa, grandpa would come out of his grave. You do not stop that combine. When, when dad was younger, you had to, you had to catch the combine and jump on the ladder as he was turning on the ends to bring him lunch. Otherwise he wasn't eating. That seems to be the consensus of what I got from it. The majority of people, you, you don't stop. I don't know. It's, it, it, it makes my wife happy. So that's what I'm going to continue to do. Good work. Yep. Maybe you can, uh, you can influence a change in the combine driver. I don't know. Yeah. Then I would be an influencer. There you go. You have a future in <laughs> lunchtime influence. Has anybody ever called you that, Rob? Yes. Yeah. And I, do, I, do you I, hate I that as much be, as I, I do? I don't like it. I don't like being called an aggregate, but I never, I never get upset when people do it because it's, I don't, they just don't know. Well, they obviously don't know. I don't like it, but, um, I guess they just don't know how else to describe 
you know, someone that's doing what I'm doing. I, I'm guessing you're probably the same way. Same exact way. I mean, I hate it. I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I hate, I do hate the word influencer. <laughs> I don't hate the word advocate, mm-hmm. but I don't necessarily love it. But I don't know. I mean, that influencer just seems like the dumbest, most millennial word I've ever heard. Don't you bring Kylie Jenner down. <laughs> yeah, but she's there, an There is one dumber word. It, it was a farmfluencer. That is the dumbest word ever. Yeah, I don't like. I don't love that one either. I I I appreciate the term uh, content creator. Like, so you could say agriculture content creator. I don't know. It's a little long and windy to say, but if you had to give yourself a title, it sounds better to me than influencer. If anybody's being influenced by me, you you should not go down that road. I think that same. Whatever this coming this coming from the guy who had seventeen kids dresses him for Halloween and you're talking that no one's going to no one's going to be influenced that, by you. Yeah, you have a weird phenomenon. This is something it happened last year too. So I think last year was the first year that it happened and we had a couple of people like one or two last year would send us pictures. It was their, hundreds this year of their toddlers Which dressed is, up as Zach for Halloween. It's so terrifying. And this year it was <laughs> I mean just so many and then they all send us these pictures and of course it's during harvest and so I can't keep up with emails I'm just like oh my god and so just last week I was finally catching up on stuff and I'm like oh my gosh she's so cute like you get a free hat you get a free hat you get a free hat like I don't know how to react I'm just like these little kids are but that is that is so weird weird and, and now I have a hundred hats that I'm supposed to package up and ship out because you'll never respond back or send the hats no out. I they're all it's all documented I have a spreadsheet don't you even they're all on a list yeah. yeah they're on a list just send screenshots to Emily it was like errors you know I listened to your uh podcast with uh the guy that does the t-shirts and does oh, the ben. arm focus yeah Ben I listened to that. That's a, that was very interesting. Uh, how he came up with that concept and that, and how you guys are utilizing that, and uh, I, you know, Emily and I, we made the decision not to sell anything for completely different reasons. It's just, just for us, it wasn't wasn't a fit. But yeah, I think the way that guy is working with you, he's really got it figured out. Yeah, he's doing a really great job. I yeah, w- without him, I mean, I never had an interest in selling t-shirts wasn't my thing youtube was barely my thing and selling t-shirts just wasn't no i don't want to take orders on t-shirts and package them up and get the addresses and label everything and send them out that is the last thing i want to do to well, there was try just, to make a hundred bucks right it just there's no way we could possibly do it it's just not physically i mean there's only so much time in a day and so we, it had to be hired out. And Ben is just such a great guy and easy to work with. And, you know, rather than going to a company that you have no relationship with or a connection with, it just kind of seemed like a and and too, like he's trying to build a brand that we like. And so it just kind of seemed like a good fit. You know, the thing is, so you would get- we said, like, every time we're going to go to a farm show, right, we're going to grab a beer, we're going to sit down and, uh, you know, the four of us were going to just kind of talk about what we've been through and all this because there was no roadmap, right? When you're talking about how do you, how does a farmer deal with the sponsorship money? How does a farmer navigate these appearances and these speaking deals and all this stuff? We were going to sit down and we're just going to kind of hammer it all out. Every time we go to a farm show, uh, you and I are, are way too busy to even say hi to each other. Yes. 
I think at what was it, Commodity Classic last year, I think we talked to you literally for a total of five minutes. And uh, yeah, it's a, that that is About a bummer. Two minutes. You had to go on stage. Yeah. Like, oh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's like that. I'm sure it's the same for you at every show now. And you know, I don't wanna I don't wanna sound like I'm complaining about it by any means, but every farm show I tried to go to for the last year before COVID hit, it was kind of the same way. Like I have, I have, I'm pretty rigid in things that I have to get done while I'm here. And so it, it, I don't get to walk around and look at the products and the services and the machinery like I want to do. We do joke around about getting him a disguise, (laughs) like so he can go and enjoy the show as a, as a non-celebrity. In like a stroke race costume. They did add. Uh, God, I hope it's it? a female costume. <laughs> <laughs> now, Randy. Uh, but no, so they. But he did figure out the golf cart technique. If you're on a golf cart, they can't. It's like harder for you to approach. So what? What was that? that? Right. You just run them over. <laughs> What'd you say, Rob? I've not reached the golf cart level. I'm still. I'm still a walker. This, this was an outdoor, big outdoor well, event in Fargo, North Dakota. Pretty spread out. We rented a golf cart I for guess his like. Dad just bucks. had knee surgery like five days earlier. Uh, yeah. So the golf cart was actually in. A you should do the segue. That's the only reason why. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm definitely getting Zach a segue. I think a hover round would be cooler. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. I love those so farm shows. Have... I love meeting people, but it is, it's very hard to explain to people and, and you don't want to say it because it's almost like you're complaining, but by the end of them, you are absolutely exhausted because yeah. you're, you're always on and it's great. I mean, it's great meeting people that have listened to you. Uh, you know, for the most part, it's like people were always coming up to me and they were saying, I know you from uh, the successful farming uh, segments you do on the TV show. And I'm like, okay, that's fantastic. And we do all this other stuff, but the, the little things like that, I guess that's when I kind of learned that um, the TV had a lot more of a footprint than, than podcasting did. That's when you learned that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever had the situation? You gave me. I, I, had a, I had a moment one time where I was trying desperately just to go take a leak. I had to get to the bathroom badly. And it took me two hours to just like, I had to greet everybody on the way to the bathroom, the people that were stopping me. And it was just like, it's a weird thing to complain about. People wouldn't understand that, but it's the only time it's happened. But like, I had to pee so bad. Have you ever had that, Rob? How many people did you greet? How many people did you greet while you're in the bathroom? Like, oh yeah, hey, reach, reach back and shake their hand. (laughs) You know, oddly, not, not too many. It's, uh, the worst is like uh, if you do a farm show and then you've got to do the night events like that, not having a break. I just I, anymore. Emily's really good at least scheduling one or two hours where you can at least decompress because again, if I you almost hate talking about it because it sounds like you're whining about doing this, which is so much fun. But yeah, it is. It is just something that zaps everything out of you. Definitely more draining than one would believe it to be. I'll get mentioned San Antonio. So, Rob, you gave me this T-shirt that I'm wearing, the uh, Sharks Don't Swim Backwards T-shirt. And that thing made it. So you gave it to me that day, and I carried it around. And then we went to Top Golf, And I think I threw it in one of the Welker's bags because I was like, oh, here, I don't want to forget this somewhere. You know, I'll remember it later. And then somehow the next day, because obviously I forgot about it, we went Top Golf, and then we went to the uh, Andretti uh, indoor go-karts. But anyways, so the next day it ends up with Tony Fast. Somehow they like, hey, you'll see Zach or Andy ends up with Tony fast. And then it went from there to Zach. Cause I flew out that day 
and then Zach had it for two months. So three months later, I get this shirt finally that had been around through everybody's hands, and I thought it was gone forever. It was like uh, a traveling trophy. It was, (laughs) yeah. He was really upset that he lost his Shark Farmer T-shirt, too. I was texting everybody like, did you guys, where did, where did my shark farmer t-shirt go? And yeah, I, I finally got it back. And then I dug it out of the bottom of the dresser today to put it on for this podcast. <laughs> it's got the original wrinkles in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's still, uh, a lot of people will come up and or their message when they realize that the antlers are sharks. Yeah, no, it's a cool oh, shirt. I, I actually do wear it quite a bit. Antlers are sharks. What? Gonna have to look, look at, at it. This you, now. you can't see it. Is that? But is that on your on your? Oh, I would mother of not. <laughs> they look like antlers, but they're sharks. I'm modeling for the people that can't see. My son Ian came up with that with that concept. That's pretty awesome. That's genius. I've I've never noticed that. No, I haven't either. I, I'm so still, how'd you come I'm up with the, for the logo? How'd you come up with the logo and, and all of that? And when did you come up with that? When did you decide like, holy shit, I'm big enough to have a logo? Well, the logo's for the outfitter, but it was so damn cool. We decided just to use it for the, the podcast too. But no, my son, oh, cool. yep. uh, we were trying to incorporate deer and sharks and that's the dumbest thing to incorporate. But he's like, well, what if... Whereas looking at like clip art, the something similar to what the antlers are, it's like, what if those were antlers and the, the deer? And that's how it came about. That's like a, you would have paid a professional, uh, what would you call that? Oh like when we looked into trying to come up with our logo, so it was when like $8,000. Before we had 100,000 people, yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. I pulled out a piece of paper and I drew the shape of Minnesota and put the M and the F in it. And I'm like, well, here, that can't cost eight grand. We got to have like a local graphic guy that can do that. It it ended up costing like 40 bucks. But then now, but moving forward, we've always had issues with our brand because we've grown to be such a huge thing now that we always are like, is Minnesota limiting us? What's happening? Like how? So then we kind of dropped it, but it's still in the background and we still question it all the time but i mean now there's no turning back like it is what it is and it's fine but it's a little tough it's a good logo yeah Yeah, it is but if you live in wisconsin you know and and you don't know what the millennial farmer is it just looks like the state of minnesota which i don't don't really want people from i don't want people from wisconsin wearing my shirt around anyway so (laughs) (laughs) but I don't think people care. I think they're just they're happy to represent. It seems like which is which is good. So for the people from Wisconsin, I'm kidding, except for <laughs> I hate Aaron Rodgers. He's not actually <laughs> from Wisconsin, though, is he? That doesn't matter. Oh, okay. Sorry. One of the people that I absolutely respect the most in agriculture is uh, Machinery Pete and Greg Peterson. And uh, when I interviewed him, again, someone I was afraid to, to ask, uh, I remember him talking about, before I, I met you, uh, what a great thing you were doing for the state of Minnesota and representing agriculture and that. I'm like, damn it, I want to get to the point where Machinery Pete is saying that shit about me. <laughs> we, have a, we have a collab planned with Pete coming up, and we still have not, of course, of course COVID has put a, a damper on things, but it's going to be... We don't really have one planned with him coming up. We have it like written on a piece of paper that at we some point, some time it. in life. It's definitely. Well, and you've happen. talked, you've talked to him about it. We have. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he's definitely on board yeah. and it's going to happen. And I think it'd be fun for him to be in, 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 you know, we got to wait till he can be on site. 
Yes. Yes, it has to be an in-person. Definitely. Sure. So, Rob, you this is a fun fact. So, Pete Greg is from originally 35 miles straight south of us. Mm-hmm. So he's he's actually he's kind of a, a hometown boy here. My dad in the 80s was actually one of his first original customers. That was really oh, funny, right. actually. When we were at uh, when we we ran into him at Commodity Classic, and he was one person that we did get to talk to for I don't know 10, 15 minutes, and he's chit-chatting with Zach and he's like, yeah, you're from Lowry, right? And he's like, I had, I had one guy that I would send my book to. It was a book, right? Back then his yeah. mailer, yeah. you know, every quarter I'd send this mailer. I had one guy in Lowry. Uh, and, and what was his name? He's sitting there and he's like, uh, John, Nate, John. He Zach's said Nathan. Like, Nathan. I'm like, Zach's well, yeah, that was, that was that's dad. my dad. <laughs> and he thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. He, he got a good chuckle out of that. It was, uh, I don't know, it was almost three years ago, probably a little over that, and we get we were getting approached by the ag media companies, and, you know, because we were wanting to do the XM show, and we talked to Greg about it, and he was so honest, and he was so just down to earth, uh, he probably led us to one of the better decisions we ever made. Um, because we were leaning on going with another company, but after talking to him about his experiences and, you know, he has got this, the sprays always follow the light and the way he's navigated social media, staying positive all the time. Uh, you just someone that I really look up to and that, uh, actually I own quite a bit because I think things would have been a lot different if we hadn't had that phone call with him. Yeah. He really seems like a great guy. Yeah. He, no, he definitely was a pioneer. Canola. So how the hell did you end up raising canola? It was profitable. I'll say that much. Uh, we got wind turbines on our farm this year. And uh, the home farm behind the house, is it's a section. We got six of them put on there. And Does that help with fertilization, the dead birds? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's nice okay. little benefit. I got it now. The wind turbines <laughs> killed the birds. Sorry. So uh, I got contacted by a... Uh, like a lobbying group, uh, a promotion group for wind energy. And we were throwing back ideas about, because their thing is they want farmers to be open to the idea of doing something different with their ground, like putting turbines on it. So I threw out, well, you know, like maybe doing something different, like growing a different crop on your farm. So the idea was, the concept was, when the canola was blooming, that we would have a picture of the canola and the, the construction of the turbine in the background. And I remember saying, that's a big ass to have those two things happen at the same time, and they didn't. So, <laughs> so I paid for it, uh, but uh, the the actual picture uh, did not happen. And you said you did no, not harvest not. the canola? No, I I'd heard from enough people that said you did not want it. Once it uh, started to, the bloom started to go off of it, I mowed it worked it still still some coming up we planted beans over it i planted beans july 27th and then they didn't get rain for four weeks those <laughs> friggin' beans just out yielded my other beans that i planted at the end of april it's just i hate farming oh, no. i don't know why that worked but there it was <laughs> did they really out yield the other beans next to them we we got uh, powerful dry at the end of the summer. I mean, we did. We went a long time without a rain, and the beans just took a hit. So my beans were just about. I think we finally averaged just at fifty, which so 
not good at all. But those things that half acre we took off was like 65. Like seriously, June 27th. Here we are. Well, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. And I would assume because beans beans are made late in the season. I mean, late season rains is what makes beans. So I would I would assume that's why. Exactly why. Yeah, those those cheater beans got a lot more rain towards the end of their life than the real ones. So you also mentioned that your beans did 50, which is terrible. What kind of a crop of beans are you raising? I mean, we we kind of get disappointed if we get under 70. I mean, this is Illinois. This is what we do. <laughs> Good Lord. I get super excited and want to take a picture of the yield monitor if it's up to 80. <laughs> I You don't see that very often either. Well, no. We... Yeah, we were right around 50 this year, um, which is, for our area, 50 bushel beans is good. But the last three, four years, we've had 50, 60 bushel beans, you know, as a farm average. And this year, we got dry late. We had 65, maybe 70 bushel beans, you know, as a farm average early August. But by the time they were done, they were 50. You're a little optimistic there, Randy. They were phenomenal beans. Some of the best we've ever seen in in July, early August. You sound like a fisherman. (laughs) No, they were. And then then the rains quit and they just just didn't do anything. Or Donald. The best beans you've ever seen. You know it. I know it. We all know it. They're great. It's going to be great. Love it. (laughs) It's huge. (laughs) It's huge. So what are you pushing for corn yields then? You know... We tried to get enough nitrogen and fertilizer out there for the 240. We did not get anywhere close to that this year. Again, just a lack of rain. But uh, you know, I I would love to I would love to average 250 over the farms. I've with the outfitter, I've got some farms that are not so good. You know, we rent them for the hunting. Uh, so learning curve trying to get those to, to really produce. But I mean, if they can grow. 600 bushels in Georgia or wherever, I, I surely should be able to grow 250 on some of this timber ground. Yeah, we don't, we don't, uh, uh, we don't even plan for 250 corn. Well, yeah, but I, I don't know. This ground is still selling uh, for like 12,000 here an acre. What are you guys up there? 5,500 was the last, and I thought that was pretty high. Yeah, that's, um, that, I think that's high. Seven in the heyday. Yeah. yeah. Seems like that four to 5,000 is a lot more common. 5500s on the high end. Yep. It seemed in the heyday we were in the six range, maybe high five, six. I know a few pieces sold for seven, but you always have those. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we're just too short of a growing season, is a lot of it. You still grow a lot of crops, though. And you got big equipment. Gosh, I'm jealous of your guys' equipment. You know, that's something that I I think that we really need to hit on. That Like just hearing you guys talk about the differences in, in yields and how different it is state to state. Because I think sometimes, I, I don't know if it's flack that we take or what it is, but some people are always just like, oh, your fancy is so big. Your equipment is so fancy and big and brand new. And we've talked to Randy was- about this quite a bit, but the you know our the time constraints we're on here in minnesota compared to where you're at are so different and so it's it's just so interesting to hear you know what what differs us from somebody in iowa or illinois and how it all correlates is it's it's honestly fascinating when the more you learn about it and just i know my my wife was surprised when i met her too she was surprised at the size of your equipment (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would believe that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I, I do. I hear that a lot, though, like what Rob is saying, like the size of the equipment up here. But it's honestly like it's most of my neighbors are all the same way. I didn't think anything of it when I started. Right. And it's just like you get out of different areas and it's not the same. And then you go to other places and everybody's got everything. That's but this, feet this wide. year and last year, I think kind of our, our YouTube videos did a good job of highlighting why it's such a why having the larger equipment in Minnesota is almost a requirement, because if you don't have it, you're not going to get your crop your crop harvested. It comes down to time. We're on such a well, the other the other two like planting you know we always get those rains we got to wait it always gets to be so late by the time the ground's warm and the conditions are right and then you have these rain events come through and every year you have that couple hundred acres or whatever it is that gets planted two weeks later and yields you know 10 percent less or whatever it is and you can do the math on that like well holy shit if i would have had you know if i could have gotten done three days sooner we would have been here. Well, then it, it's easy to make equipment payments on that because you can see it pays, you know, and then the same in the fall. We have the tiling thing, so we're even a little bigger over-equipped because any day we get done sooner, we get back to tiling. That's just another uh, generator for us. Um, so I think that's why we're even probably larger than other people, you know, as far as acres and equipment goes. But but that's why. I mean, Outside just like you were, you were 100 acres done and got, yeah, exactly. I mean, the quicker we can get back to that, the quicker, you know, the more we can make. I mean, yeah, when you go to a farm educational seminar or class or whatever, they talk about how sometimes the the income that comes outside of the farm almost has more of an impact on the farm than the actual dollars that the farm makes. Yeah. It's but we don't, we don't have a tillage here either. I mean, I, I work up the end rows, but that's it. We put anhydrous on in the fall. Um, but I, I think, you know, by talking to people in your area, interviewing them over the years, you, you pretty much have to rip your ground up. It's the way it seems. I mean, we really just, it, it, if you don't, I mean, and I'll get, I get chewed apart on this more than anything else I get chewed apart for. But what? boy, you get out oh, of, outside the... Are Red River Valley in our area, the they planet. Huh? You're trying to kill the planet, aren't you? Don't make smart ass remarks, Jackie. They're uh, coming for you. Oh <laughs> man, did they chew me up for that? But you get outside of here and people just hate tillage. But I mean, there's there's I talked to a guy today from Iowa that's really big in in cover crops and no till. That's his thing. He worked you I won't say who he works for because I don't want to pinpoint who it might be but he was up in uh he's from iowa and he was up in jamestown north dakota and he said it was unbelievable to him where yesterday he drove all the way up through you know from from a line a third of the way into the state of minnesota and north all the way to jamestown north dakota and every single field was tillage heavy tillage he drove all the way back this way and came to our place not one like not one single field standing with stubble in it everything is heavy heavy tillage everything and for the guy that doesn't, I mean, it's because we see the guy that doesn't get something tilled or you have that experience where you don't get 100 percent of your acres tilled. And then the next spring, you can't get a planter in there. You can't do anything with that field. And like Randy's yeah. talking, all of a sudden it's three weeks later and that thing will yield 60 bushels to the acre less. We did. We tried the strip till and dad was talking in one of the videos about disc blades in our ground. 
and the mud clearly sticks to them. Our like our soil is sticky. It's high, high magnesium, high calcium, high pH, heavy black, sticky, high clay content stuff. And we had 200 comments last night on that video that we should spray cooking oil on the disc blades. Then we wouldn't have that issue. I don't know what it's like where you farm, Rob, but that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Well, I haven't tried it, so I, yeah, I guess I can't knock it. But yeah, that's that's odd. <laughs> like I was gonna say, did you try? Did you try spitting on them? Randy, Randy this is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> We're just gonna let that sit there, Randy. Grow up. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it a, a the, lot uh, of no-till around you, Rob? Yeah, um, the big thing around here is in the spring, the bean stubble, they'll, they'll run like a field elevator over, uh, but that's it. I mean, there is some, the speed discs seem like they're getting more popular around here just to, I don't know, kind of break up the stalks. But like us, we we no-till, I got my planter all, got all the bells and whistles on it. So I no-till right into the uh, the corn stubble with my beans, and but we do work the, the bean ground before we plant corn. So do you ever get where, when you're no-tailing into there, so you got the planter all dolled up. Yep, I get that. But where the, the actual seed trench just sticks to the openers and then it, like, rolls out that chunk and then pulls the seed out with it? You ever – does that oh. ever – every time we've tried no-till, like, we go into it like, oh, this is going to be awesome. We had a dry sp- or dry fall, dry spring, so we've left some bead stubble. Uh, we're going to just no-till into it in the spring. And even it's almost like you have your, your down pressure too high, but if we loosen it, you know, let it up, then we don't get it into the ground. And if we get it into the ground, then almost you get this smear factor that, like, sticks to your openers, and it'll it'll pull up that chunk of seed trench, and then the seed pops out with it, and and then we always go back to tillage. No, I haven't really seen it. Uh, I remember when I first started farming, I uh, bought Dad out, and then I bought a new planter, and I didn't have tractor enough for it with the hydraulics. So I wasn't getting the end down. And I planted, I don't know, I planted probably 40 acres to where the ends were, they, they weren't going in the ground. I was laying beans on top of the ground and I was freaking out. My dad's, like, you know what, just, just wait and see what happens. So they did fine. I think, I mean, they grew on top of the ground just as well as they were planting. So there again, I, I don't know. I think we overthought. I think we, I definitely think we freak out a little bit too much. Like, holy shit, it's not going to grow. It's not in there perfect, you know. And I, I think it's just a mindset that you got to, you know, if you're not going to do all the tillage, you got to let some of those things go. Precision always gets you. Precision well, will do that. You will overthink things. You go to those beatings and everything. Yeah. Well, if you do this, it's going to cost you five bushel an acre. If you do this, it's going to cost you three bushel an acre. And you're like, oh, my gosh, how did I ever plant corn or beans before this and yeah, it does just fine and then it's and then you say it's easy because if you if you add this it, you'll gain five bushels and if you add this you'll gain seven bushels it's like holy shit is all we have to do is this to our planters and we're going to get 300 bushel corn like it's this farming shit's easy <laughs> 300 bushel corn and all it takes is a seven hundred thousand dollar planter and rain right and then one and then one one mother nature event comes through and it's like, oh fuck, we're back to 170 bushel corn. <laughs> yeah, but maybe you get an insurance check. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that easy. <laughs> yeah. What was that next time? How was it? Yeah. It was uh it was pretty awesome. Um 
I mean, it was, it was what they advertised it to be. The only issue I had with it, the only thing that I can say on it was in our corn, which wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. I mean, we were harvesting 180 bushel corn most of the time, which for us is average, but we were hoping for 210 this year. Um, but in 180 bushel corn, you can't, it doesn't have the power to go fast enough to give it 5,000 bushels or 7,000 bushels an hour, excuse me. Yeah. But it, it will, it'll sit there all day long and pull in 5,000, 5,500. And we don't have the infrastructure to keep up to that, you know, cause we can't do that with our combine, but, but it, I, I think if you had it in good corn, if you had it in 250 bushel corn, it'll take, it'll handle the 7,000 an hour. I mean, it'll do it and it's, but it better, right? It better. Yeah. It's a it's a fine company ran by fine people. <laughs> we got Rob's bell. Yeah, we got the Shark Farmer bell on, uh, on the podcast. I was gonna have a bell for this podcast, and I forgot about that till he just rung his bell. <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, what can you tell us about wind turbines? Because you. You just set a bunch of them on your farm, correct? They blow. Yeah, we got seven. They blow. <laughs> I, 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 can t- I, I can say this honestly because for <laughs> 10, so for 12 years, we've lived right by them and not made money off them. So it, it, they're fine. They, they become like a tree in the background. When people come here for the first time, they'll. it's really when the only time you'll notice them because they're like, oh, you know, is that the sound of them? There's a whooshing sound in the background. Probably, I don't know, handful of nights uh, through the year, you'll be laying in bed or go, and you'll go, wow, they're really loud tonight. But Which I, helps you go to sleep, right? That, they don't bother us. They don't bother us at all. And again, I can see that because they didn't bother us when we weren't making money off of them. It, right. It can't so be do you have any... The, go ahead, Randy. Sorry. Well, I was going to say, this is like a four-way stop sign. Like I pull this for you. Nope, you go. You go. Nope, you go. Nope, nope, oh, you nope. go. Oh, sorry. Like, God Whoop. damn it. I'm just going to go. And then you all go. And then. <laughs> but I was going to. So when they do these turbines, we have just a few, just a very few around us. But isn't somebody kind of in charge of like these, this area or this clump? Is that, is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're all, I think most of these are owned by the same company uh they they do make a mess of things when they build them i mean that crane is uh, 1.25 million pounds so it, it crushes tile lines it does all that stuff but yeah, a couple years how, after, how big how big did you say 1.25 million pounds is what it weighs oh holy shit, shit. yeah it's it's amazing yeah, it's it's huge. They, they when they cross a road, they put like four feet of dirt on the road, and then they put these. They're bigger than railroad ties on there, so that they could cross a road. They still crush that road. You <laughs> had to, tell, had to take that section. Comprehend how big that is. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's oh. enough to lift to lift that uh, the turbine part up. You know, what four hundred and. 420 feet or whatever it is it's it's amazing to watch that's crazy i thought you were going to say 1.25 million dollars but now that i know what the things weigh i'm guessing they're (laughs) they're more than that i i I didn't buy one so i I couldn't tell you (laughs) probably a wise choice they seem like they'd be a horrible investment unless you were into the you know the windmill business 
<laughs> Around us, though, the ones we have, there's one guy that's in charge of, I don't know if you call it PR or, or what you call it, but any anytime anyone has an issue with them or like when they're building them, like he was the guy you would really go to. That was a joke. Like <laughs> the guy that you go to to follow up about the blowjobs. Like it's there. Just. <laughs> The PR guy. Clearly, Zex. <laughs> the gears are moving. I'm slightly jealous I can't talk like this on my podcast. <laughs> it, it is sweet. It is. I'm slightly jealous that my wife's not thinking about that same thing right now. <laughs> There's nothing to be jealous of, Randy. Oh. We, we do have a guy that we call and complain to. And, you know, you're going to have a construction job of this size. Mistakes are going to be made. And so, yeah, I right. call every time something was happening. Yeah, and get So how many wind turbines are on your property? Uh, maybe that's something you uh, want to answer. Seven. Okay. And that's a new – you didn't have any before. That's a new thing. They, they come, you're getting seven. No, I – I farm around a bunch of them on rented ground, but this is uh, the first ones they were putting up on on my ground. Okay. So my my last my last question here to Rob is, where do you go from here? You got anything uh, else? I mean, do, if you have big news that you want to break, now's the time to do it. No, no, nothing. <laughs> nothing Never mind that. Now. It's been fun talking no. to you. Oh, <laughs> I I imagine. I imagine you're the same way you just don't know what's gonna happen next i would have never guessed what we've been through has led to where we're at i mean it's it's kind of surreal to think about um that i'm you know here tonight talking you know on the off the husk podcast so i i don't know uh, four years ago i wouldn't have guessed uh, the podcast would have done really anything i wouldn't have guessed i'd been on the radio i wouldn't have guessed i'd been on tv but uh, it just seems like it it kind of gets better at an accelerated rate, and it's just been a lot of fun. And even with you know COVID and everything kind of messing up all the shows this year, we still have got a chance to do some traveling with Emily and I, kind of get away in that. No new, you know, anything that we're up to. Uh, I, I really want to focus in on a TV show. I really want to make that good. I really want to make that a quality product. Uh, that we're going to be able to sell. So I guess that's it. So I, that leads me to another question then. Will farming always be a thing for, for you? Is there is there Would there ever be a point where farming goes the wayside and this thing has taken off? Or, or does farming, like Zach, I think farming is his channel. Um, you know what? We had, I had to come to the conclusion that there's times where I had to shut down the planner, shut down the combine um, to run into the studio. And that was very hard for me to grasp because you, you don't do that. It's something you just don't right. do. When it's going, it's going. Uh, but then you look at the economics of it and, uh, you know, the margins in farming, it just sometimes you scratch your head and you're like, why, why are we doing this? But it's what I love. I, I can't describe how much I love it because it's like when I wake up in the morning, um, yes, I enjoy the radio show. I enjoy the podcasting and that, but it's like, I want to go down and see what that canola is doing. You know, I want to, I want to go 
to the back of that that one field and see how that corn is growing because yes, it was not planted in the best. I want you know I want to figure this stuff out. That's what I love doing. It yes, the economics of it sometimes makes you scratch your head, but the joy of it, I don't know. I guess that's what is worth living to me. I just can't imagine doing anything else. It's what I love to do. It's what I want to give an opportunity for my kids to do, whether they want to or not. I really want that opportunity to be there. And it's it's this thing that is helping me give that opportunity to them. Uh, yes, it's definitely is changing and it's changed the, the way that I view stuff. I, I remember talking to Brian Hefty and you know, I was saying everything I was doing, it was so that I could pass, you know, the, the farm on to the next generation. And he's like, you're thinking about this wrong. It said, you've now got a media company. That's something you can pass on to the next generation, too, because you got to remember their dad passed that on to them. So it, it makes me think about things in a completely different light than, than I would five years ago. Um, but farming... Farming's too ingrained in me to, to ever let it go. It's everything I do is for that goal. Which makes sense, and I would I would totally you know expect that. Um, so the only other thing I have is you end up at Hefty's quite a bit uh, for different things. Uh, still, I would assume you have in the past. I know. Uh, you know, we were going to go out to the the Hefty Days before it was canceled. Uh, we did, we've got a fantastic relationship with Brian and Darren. Like I said, we took the radio show direct with uh, RFD in Nashville, so we're no longer in a business relationship with them. Uh, but we we work with them a lot, not just their the radio show but their new uh, TV show that they're doing with uh, uh, Randy Dowdy and David Hula. I mean, we're, we're very good friends with the Hefties and uh, we plan to be working with them uh, for a long time, but no, uh, we, we're not in business with them anymore. Well, I was just going to say, we're only a few hours North of them. So maybe next time you're there, you'll, you'll reach out. No. <laughs> <laughs> Such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how some guys just beat a straight face that way. <laughs> <laughs>